previously on areas of agreement. Rural areas are wider, older, more religious, less educated. Urban areas are the opposite of all of those things. Adams County is a lot more agrarian. We tend to think more along the lines of self-reliance. How often do we actually check in to say, is my understanding about your experience correct? Is it accurate? Tell me more. How do we ask questions in a way that causes people to really self-reflect and, and to think through their experiences? What am I showing up to this conversation believing and why do I believe it? We're oftentimes not as divided as we think we are if we get into a deeper conversation and we choose our subject wisely as well. There's an opportunity for movement, action, progress on any issue. It might be racial injustice, it might be economic hardship. Having them collaborate in small teams, working with community partners, there's so much rich learning that emerges in this. We begin to think differently and we look for points of unity versus going into a conversation where we're just looking to have everybody uh, align with us. This podcast series is all about points of unity. I've done episodes spotlighting urban-rural action teams trying to combat education funding disparities, racial injustice, food deserts, and news deserts. You would like to think people can find common ground on issues of equality and basic needs like access to healthy food and credible information, though that's not always the case. This episode focuses on a topic, or more accurately, a category of people, that pretty much everyone, no matter their age or political affiliation or where they live, can get behind. Small business owners. We celebrate Small Business Saturday and use slogans like Buy Local. Politicians, they salivate over the chance to support mom-and-pop shops. Hi, everyone. It's my honor to celebrate National Small Business Week with all of you. I love meeting with our entrepreneurs, and I love hearing the stories about how businesses get started. Small businesses are the heart of the American economy. Small businesses are not only job generators, they're also at the heart of the American dream. Two-thirds of all the new jobs created in America in the last 20 years have been in small businesses. The character and conscience of small business built this nation. The brave men and women everywhere who produce our goods, feed a hungry world, and keep our families warm while they invest in the future to build a better America. God bless American entrepreneurs and God protect our troops. It's easy to support small business owners rhetorically, but what does it mean to actually support them in practice? What are some of the challenges of running a company in 2022? What do small business owners want us to know about their experience? These are some of the questions that a group of Maryland residents wanted to address. A group that took part in urban-rural actions uniting for action on the Maryland Economy Program, which brought together a few dozen people from across the state. Each group in the program partnered with a Maryland organization to design and implement a project that addresses an economic challenge. The group that I followed, they chose to address challenges specifically facing immigrant business owners on the eastern shore of Maryland. Their partner for the project, the Chesapeake Multicultural Resource Center, based in Easton, Maryland. Easton's in a part of Maryland that's mostly rural, lots of farmland and fishing. 
it tends to lean politically conservative. Easton's a town of about 17,000 people. About 10% are foreign-born, and roughly 14% are Hispanic or Latino, according to the census. Easton's main street is quite charming, several blocks of restaurants, hotels, and shops. There's also hair salons, nail salons, and bodegas, and businesses that don't have storefronts, like painting and landscaping companies. Matthew Peters would like to devote more of his time to helping these small business owners. He's executive director of the Chesapeake Multicultural Resource Center. But because the Eastern Shore's immigrant population has grown so much of late, Matthew says the center has focused mostly on meeting people's basic needs. Things that have to do with immigration and citizenship, language and cultural competencies, and health and wellness. We haven't paid any attention, unfortunately, to the people on the other side of that triangle, the smaller group of those who don't need assistance with immigration or don't need assistance with language and don't need assistance with some of these other things. And we've kind of just left them off of our radar. Putting these small business owners on the radar was one of the Maryland Economy Group's objectives. The group's theory of change for the work they set out to do is some 80 words long. But here's the Cliff's Notes version. If the public knows more about foreign-born immigrants' lack of access to resources, then more people will support resources going to immigrants, which will hopefully lead to policy changes and eventually more job opportunities. I'm really excited about this project because it involves Marylanders coming together across the state with some different ideological views to tackle some really important challenges. That's Joe Bubman, the executive director of Urban Rural Action. The challenges of small business recovery, the challenges of entrepreneurship, the challenges of building and sustaining a, a healthy, thriving private sector, as Paul described. The Paul Joe's referring to is Paul Frey, president and CEO of the Washington County Chamber of Commerce, located on the other side of the state from the eastern shore. Paul's part of the group tackling this economic project. My interest has been from the economic development business side. You know, Chamber of Commerce, we believe that the private sector and the free market drives the success of any community. Paul expressed a concern that several other group members shared. Some business owners either can't access or don't know about the available resources. So that was my interest, to help others be successful, which will then drive the economy, which then helps you the community. Group member Ron Bowers has similar concerns and interests. He's been involved in Washington County government and nonprofit work for decades. Ron says in his experience, small business owners aren't always aware of the resources in their community. And I'm also very concerned that if a person goes into business, why did they go into business? How did they go into business if they don't know where any funds or where anything is? Group member Maria said she was interested to hear more about small business owners' financial struggles. As Ron mentioned, uh, most of these owners go into business without having knowledge of how to run a business. These small businesses are the ones that are actually making these counties prosper. We need to open more businesses, but we also need to help them remain in the market. As part of our approach or part of the solution for our project. That's Theo Dolan, a group member who lives in suburban D.C. and works in the peacebuilding field. We've got some incredibly powerful stories to tell. So let's get to the stories of these small business owners. Victor Matamoros, and the name of the company is Victory Painting LLC. My name is Stephanie Sanabria, and I'm the owner for Deco Steffi. Uh, that means decoration by Steffi. 
José Javier Izquierdo en um, I own a company named uh, Very American Homes Builders LLC. I'm Juan González and I'm a owner of JP Custom Painting LLC. Mi nombre es Yesenia González y pues estoy vendiendo ropa de mujeres y de niños. What they do, why they love doing it, and what challenges they face. Coming up next. A late spring Saturday in Easton. It's a glorious day to be out on the water or hosting a cookout. I'm in the Main Street District, in a quiet neighborhood. I take a walk down Dover Street, past a hair salon, a county Democratic Party headquarters, a taqueria, and a few other storefronts. Then I get to a one-story brick building with white trimming and a sign with a pink heart and deco steffi written in cursive. I go inside and meet Stephanie, the owner. Hi. Stephanie, among other things, does art, graphic design, and decorations for events. Birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, baby showers, communions, corporate functions. She started the company last year and moved into the Dover Street store just a few months ago. The front part of the store is Stephanie's showcase, a taste of what customers can get if they hire her for their event. There are several shelves of candy. You can find here sour or sweet, spicy too. She has colorful cups, bowls, and coasters. Lots of preserved flowers and floral patterns. So you can find in different items, my designs. Designs that feature vivid green, blue, and brown eyes that some cultures believe watch over people and keep them safe. So that's why I make different colors, because I believe that each person can have their own protection. There's pretty much everything here you'd want for your event. Balloons, stationery, signs, glassware, centerpieces, and some love for her home state. Uh, this is the crab, the herd, and it's on love in Maryland. And this is the, the flag. Yeah, uh-huh. so crab and a Maryland flag. Uh-huh. In the back, there's a small event space that she rents out. can be a wedding, a baby shower, a bridal shower. In the way back, there's a kitchen and space for Stephanie to do her creative work. Stephanie comes from a family of artists. Before starting her business, she was a dental assistant and worked weekends doing decorations. She owned a business before in her home country of Spain, and she's traveled throughout Europe. She came to Easton because her husband's family lives there. I could tell you more about Stephanie, but I'm going to let someone else do that. I enlisted a few of my Towson University podcasting students to interview small business owners in Easton. Here's a clip from the profile Carly Kenny put together. After decorating for an assortment of different events, Stephanie says one of her best moments is when. I, I came to a basement into a beach, and that was amazing. Because I bet. I would want to see that. That was, that was amazing. That was uh, uh, the best. Stephanie had to figure out not only how to start up her decorating business, but keep it running during a pandemic where no one wanted anything to do with close contact, Stephanie's forte. While being quick on her feet, she thought to offer zero contact parties. I make all the decoration in a private place with Zoom so people can see their family and make pictures with their relatives and, and just keep their close circle of people 
with them in that place. Now Stephanie is back to doing custom designs and decorations for in-person parties. She's welcoming people into her shop to get inspiration for those events. Not far from Stephanie's spot on Dover Street is another new shop run by a woman with a compelling backstory. Here's Megan Rose. Along this lively strip is Yessie's Boutique. It's a shop that sells a variety of women's and girls' clothing. That's Yesenia Gonzalez, owner of the store. She's Spanish-speaking, and we have an interpreter present. The first thing I notice about her is the embellished jeans she's wearing. Tucked into black boots, her long black hair almost touching her belt. She's cool, easygoing, and unfazed. A language barrier is but a small obstacle, she might say. Yessie's boutique is so new that it doesn't even have a website or appear on GPS yet. But you can't miss the bright one-story building. Yessie recently painted its walls the sky blue color of Guatemala's flag, a symbol of pride in where she comes from. I am a single mother of two, and I wanted to get a better future for my children. Even though there were obstacles, I just keep moving forward and trying to do better. Obstacles like a pandemic, or your son coming down with a mysterious illness, or just transitioning to self-employment. Her journey starts 16 years ago, after following her older sibling's footsteps immigrating to the U.S., from Guatemala to Miami. I used to live in Florida, but to be honest, for women, it's really hard to find a job because of you had to be outside when the sun is so bright, also by the water, and then I got pregnant with my daughter. After a short stint in Miami, she decided to check out a cozier place in the Mid-Atlantic. Enter Easton, where her sister lived and was able to help get Yessie a job working in the back-of-house kitchen at a local restaurant. And one day, the idea just came to her during his shift. She'd save up to open up a clothing store in Easton. Her driving motivation? A fierce commitment to self-sustainability. Even though it's good to work for other people, I just wanted to be independent, prosper in my well-being, and to work for myself. But Yesenia almost didn't open the store. There have been a lot of challenges, to be honest, a lot of difficulties, a lot of difficult time, especially with my little boy who got really, really sick. All at once, Yessie was hit with what felt like the weight of the world. I just got to the point that I didn't want to open the store at all. I just want to stay with him. And because of his illness, I got depression. It was just so bad. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't care about the money or anything else. But at her lowest point, the power of family kept her moving forward. My daughter was saying to me, Mom, you had to continue because you started this, so you had to keep going and keep going and do it. So that's why I'm here. The next small business owner I want you to meet is Juan Gonzalez. He doesn't own a shop in Easton, but on the Saturday I was in town, we met at an office building where he was working. Good to meet you in person. Nice to meet you yeah, too. Juan, yeah. Uh, Juan owns JP Custom Painting. 
He was there without his crew, doing a solo painting job. I'm just doing okay. a little, painting a little, a small hallway. It's just an office. And okay, great, great. We walked back to his truck. Right. He opened the door. Oh, wow. And got ready to get down to work. It was, you know, just like paint brushes, my stepladder, fan. I don't have Yemesi Okanola has more. A team of five, including Juan, do projects large and small, mostly for individual clients rather than commercial companies. We do both, but mostly for individual people, you know, interior and exterior painting. It's more like handyman work. Juan has become so multifaceted, he even offers light construction work to his clients, from small repairs to carpentry. I love what I do, you know, that's like art, you know, that's why I start to keep going with painting, you know, and that's what, I, what I'm focused, you know, what I love to do. Juan grew up far from the eastern shore of Maryland. I'm from Guatemala, and uh, I've been from from 2003. It's like 19, 19 years, my dad. But why did he move away from Guatemala? Yes, the reason is, uh, you know, once a bad opportunity, you know, run away from the... A lot of things happened there, you know, in, that co- in my country, so I had a bad opportunity. The decision was not an easy one. Juan did not become a painter as he entered the state. He worked several jobs before finding his passion. Well, first I started to do like dishwasher, work in restaurant, but landscaping. Juan worked for another painting company, which allowed him to find his craft. Uh, around like 2005, 2004, beginning 2005, I started working for somebody else for a painting. And there where I st- started learning uh, and I found what I love to do, you know. Juan's boss retired a number of years ago, and he started his own business in 2015. He told me it's a lot to manage the business, work weekends, be with his wife and two daughters, and go to church on Sundays. And he's in a competitive industry. I spoke to Victor Matamoros, the owner of another painting company, Victory Painting LLC. Victor came to the U.S. from Honduras in 2005. He's worked in painting for his entire career. His business has quite the origin story. It starts with a longtime client who lives in Easton. He one day came to me um, and he said that he dreamed that I had a company and um, that the name of the company was Victory Painting. And then I dreamed that your company was very well known. So I told him that, you know what, when I um, start my own business, um, that's the name that I'm going to give it. That day in Easton, I also met with Jose Javier Izquierdo, owner of Bay American Homes Builders, LLC. Jose Javier is from El Salvador and moved to the U.S. in 2006. He's lived in Easton for about 15 years. He started at his company in an entry-level position. It's a labor, you know, yes, taking tools to everybody else, but then as soon as I started to gain experience, you know, working with a power machine, uh, I started to do some carpentry works. Jose Javier worked his way up, getting certified as a journeyman electrician, a plumber, and as an HVAC specialist. His favorite work is doing finishing details. Jose Javier took over the company in 2017. Odilon Mejia also worked his way up before starting a business, Reliable Concrete Services, in 2021. Here's Joan Mangy. Olin was born and raised in Guatemala, and with the help of a family friend, was able to immigrate to the Eastern Shore 12 years ago to chase the American dream. 
His first job in the United States was in construction. So that was the first job that I had when I came in here. So I really liked it. I put a lot of effort into it. So I just kept learning and learning and that's how I started my own business. This openness to learn led him to be sought out by people in his community and help come up with the name of his business. Before I started my own business, I used to work on the weekends for myself. So I started working on small projects and everybody was asking for OD and OD. That's how everybody calls me. And then there was a friend that came to me and he was telling me that since everybody looks for me for Audi, suggested that my name, uh, the name of the company should be uh, Reliable Concrete. Matt Hertel spoke with another business owner who came to the U.S. to chase the American dream. Amado Hernandez was just 18 years old when he left his home in Mexico and moved to the States in pursuit of more job opportunities. Amado lived in California from 2000 to 2005 before deciding to follow his girlfriend to the East Coast, Easton, Maryland, to start a new chapter of his life. In 2012, Amado began operating his own business, a landscaping business called Sammy's Landscaping. Amado spent years working in the restaurant industry. I asked him, what made you want to switch careers? So there are many reasons for that. Um, So when working at the restaurant, um, I used to work long hours. And then, um, so whenever they were there was like a celebration or something, I was not able to attend to those. So that's one of the reasons that got me into opening my own business. Amado credits his mom for his work ethic. They grew up poor. At the age of seven, his mom found out that he was good with numbers. So she'd cook food or make snacks, and Amado would sell them. And then that's how uh, we got the money. And then um, she always advised me to uh, work hard uh, to get what I wanted, and then um, uh, you have you always have to find a way to uh, to get what you what you need. Amato has followed that advice. Now that you've met these small business owners, let's turn to some of the problems they've faced. And I'm going to focus here on the problems that a group like the Chesapeake Multicultural Resource Center can realistically address. So that excludes challenges like the pandemic or inflation. Some of the business owners told me the cost of gas and goods are some of their biggest problems. But again, without a magic wand, there's not much a local organization can do to help with that. But there are plenty of ways that they can help with the following problems. Let's start with challenge number one, learning the language. English is not my first language, so sometimes it's, uh, that was a really difficult time for start the business. When I started at the beginning, yes, that was a li- little difficult, you know, that, but that forced me to learn more. The very first thing I will say, hey, language is first, no matter what. Language is first, because other than that, you're going to create a, a, a barrier or a wall in between you and the country, and you are not going anywhere. You're going to be a stop. That was Stephanie from Deco Steffi, Juan from JP Custom Painting, and Jose Javier from Bay American Homes Builders. Let's get to challenge number two, financial literacy, 
or more specifically, financing, licensing, and accounting 101. Group member Maria mentioned one of the big issues. Loans, if they take a personal loan, if they go as a business loan, that's all t- like different type of interest rates that it's going to affect the profits or revenues that they can get. Some business owners I spoke to said they weren't able to get loans and had to front the money themselves. And the upfront costs of running a business are substantial. Just to become a general contractor, you had to get a lot of equipment. And to buy equipment, you can spend $10,000, $20,000 in one trip to the store. I didn't have uh, the money, you know, and I didn't know where to go, you know, in order to get a loan, you know. In this clip, student journalist Matt Hertel describes one of Amato's biggest challenges. Owning and operating your own landscaping business can be challenging enough, but for Amato, being a Mexican immigrant can bring about an entirely unique set of challenges and obstacles that many other businesses do not have to overcome. I think um, everything, thinking about it, everything comes to the social security number um, because when trying to apply for a loan, um, they ask for a social security number. And when I um, wanted to buy my, my first mower, I tried to finance it, but they needed a social security number, so I couldn't do that. And um, so I had to pay the first one that I got um, all cash, and that was um, from money that I uh, borrowed from some friends. Being without a social security number because of citizenship status can complicate everything. The next step was to uh, work on the licensing. That was actually very difficult for me. One of the licenses was the MHIC. That was actually the most difficult one because, well, I didn't know how to read English. And we had to pass a test. And it was a lot of studying, but I made it. And now I have the license, and that's thanks to God. So licensing, loans, help with insurance, these are all common challenges. As several business owners said, there's just so much paperwork. I believe the startup business in the United States is more hard than in Spain. That again is Stephanie from Deco Steffi. When you start the business in this country, everything is really fast. So you have to have your mind in many things at the same time, like uh, for the taxes, for the bank. Here again is Victor from Victory Painting. As everyone, when um, when we all start something new, uh, we don't know what to do. And it's always difficult um, to write up the invoices. I think you get the point. Small business owners need lots of help on the financial front. Let's go to challenge number three, getting physical and human resources. Many of the business owners I spoke to said it's been hard finding an affordable space for an office or a store. Some still didn't have one. And they mostly kept their equipment in their vans or in their houses. Stephanie says finding a store is just the first step. It's many things that you need to take care of. It's like you don't know how much it's going to cost the place. Then you need to fix that. You don't know how it's the inspection. If they want anything else. So always it's, you need to prepare yourself for spend money and money. Then there's the issue of finding workers which Juan from JP Custom Painting said has been one of his biggest challenges. You know, it's to find the right people to work for us. You know, it's hard to trust some people, you know, especially when we work on like fancy house, you know, waterfront, like salary money. Finally, challenge number four, networking and marketing. 
Here again is Stephanie. In town, it's many business who are long time, they have many clients, and they are more long from here, and also they are from here, the owners. So it's more easy for them get always customers because they have friends, family, and all, everything from here. But people who came from outside, uh, we don't have friends from here, we don't are from here, so it's good if they can help. Matthew Peters, head of the Chesapeake Multicultural Resource Center, knows it could be hard for business owners who aren't from Maryland to break in. They're competing with companies that have lots of history in the area. This is a fifth generation business. It's a different feel and landscape for them. They, they've gone through this before. They have family here. They have, you know, their brother-in-law is the mayor and things like that, which makes it not so much discrimination or racism. It's just kind of what a small town is just, just by itself. Matthew and a few others did say they've sensed some resistance or hesitancy to work with immigrant business owners. So there are some of the problems. Up next, we come back to the group that you met at the start of the podcast to find out about some possible solutions. He said here, two people, and then on the back, two Uh, So we try to help as many people as we can. During my afternoon in Easton, Jackie Reyes of the Multicultural Resource Center gave me a tour of her office. She showed me where people can find information about how to fill out their taxes and how to get a passport, where they can drop off or pick up food and clothing. Then she showed me a large bulletin board. We have uh, any resources, you know, for colleges, vaccines, food stamps, jobs. That gives you a taste of the central role the center plays in the community. Matthew said the primary focus is filling in resource gaps. We saw the first major gap was access to immigration help. I didn't know anything about immigration, but we went through the training and now I'm accredited and I provide the free legal work. We saw the gaps in health insurance. None of us even knew what health insurance, (laughs) how it worked at all. Now we have two trained staff, full, full navigators addressing and close that gap. So I asked Matthew, now that he knows about the gaps in resources for small business owners, what's the next move? One item on the agenda is helping business owners solve many of the financial challenges they mentioned, like figuring out how to get loans. Now, we don't have any loan experts on our staff now, but that's where it starts. This is a need that hasn't been addressed. Is there an institution out there that can address it immediately? Maybe. If not, we need to build that capacity. Building that capacity means getting staff trained to help business owners not only access loans, but also do things like register their business. Once there's a business to promote, Matthew said the center can certainly help with that too. Again, we're a small town. There's only so many ways people get information. Obviously, we've tapped in to the mayor and the EEDC and now the Chamber of Commerce. That already there is going to triple anything that was being done before. The center has already started to help local companies market themselves at festivals and other events, get media attention, and network with local leaders. Ingrid Diaz-Lopez, who works at the Resource Center, said there are a lot of ways she and her colleagues can help businesses with promotion. 
if they need to like uh, create a, a website or something, I think that's something that can be done easily. It's nothing like really, really hard. Or even if they want to create like a Facebook account, that's something that we, I mean, we can do it. The Resource Center will certainly play a big role in some of these solutions, but other institutions are going to play a role too. Paul, the group member from the Washington County Chamber of Commerce, said he wants to see local government and business entities be more proactive. I think the biggest opportunity is for people to reach out. Who needs our help? Because we have taxpayer money being utilized, not always going to the correct folks. So the biggest takeaway I'd like to see is the people who have the resources doing outreach to the people who need resources. We have a lot of wealth. That's Jackie again. It doesn't get to those small business owners, and I just think it's unfortunate because they do a really, really great job. Paul says he already has a commitment from SCORE, an organization of retired business executives, to mentor small businesses in Easton and other communities. He also wants more involvement from the Maryland Department of Commerce. And they have programs that these business owners were unaware of that the non-immigrant business owners knew about them. They accessed them, the PPP loans, the grants through COVID. Department of Commerce in every community has a local representative, and I think that's another opportunity for them to do outreach. Ron, the group member with local government experience, stressed the importance of someone in the community helping to make these connections. Without a person that understands the dynamics politically, that understands the dynamics of a mayor, a county commissioner, a United States senator, a congressman, or whatever, that that's there, but there's no one that understands it in many of these instances that can put out everybody together. I asked whether the group had any fundamental disagreements about how to best help small businesses. Paul said, not really. I think the only obstacle or concern was, are they legal residents here in the States? Because do we want to offer resources to folks who are not here legally? And we did make a decision on that. We said, well, they're immigrant business owners. Uh, We'll make the resources available to them. They have to go through the steps to access those resources, and then we exit the middle. As the group exits, the work continues for the Chesapeake Multicultural Resource Center team and other local organizations. Jackie says now it's all about follow-through. Those uh, people who we interview are waiting for that. You know, we did the first step doing the interview. They did amazing, you know, explaining their stories. What's next for them? Now it's their turn to get, you know, what they need. Thanks to Jackie and Ingrid for serving as interpreters during the interviews. On the next episode, a topic that gets a lot of attention these days but is often misunderstood... Polarization. 